Here we go. It's Friday the 13th, but it's not an unlucky day because Law and Gospel is going to share with you something that you need to know. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and on Law and Gospel, we take a look how the law and the gospel are correctly understood. I just so happen to have been privileged to be a speaker at the Missouri District Professional Pastoral and Teachers Conference, and I was doing the speaking on Wednesday. That's why I wasn't here. And what I want to do, although I spent almost an hour with a whole bunch of pastors talking to them, uh, this is a shorter program, so I'm going to summarize what my thinking was on this question. Now, I always enjoy beginning a sermon with a question and the answer the people always get wrong. That helps them to understand the direction that we are going. And so this time I had these questions and I want you to think of your answer. First of all, imagine your congregation or a congregation in the circuit of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. That may mean anywhere from seven congregations to 15. Here are the questions. Do you know of a congregation that teaches the Ten Commandments? And in my group of pastors, all the hands went up. Then, do you know of a congregation that deals with confessing the creed, the apostles, the Nicene, or the Athanasian? All the hands went up. Then I said, do you know of a congregation that does the Lord's Prayer, all the hands went up. Do you know of a congregation that baptizes children and or adults? All the hands went up. Do you know of a congregation that provides the Lord's Supper in the last five months? And all the hands went up. And then my last question was, do you know of any congregation in the last five years that excommunicated someone and no hands went up? And this was a pretty good sizable group of pastors, but I get that answer every time. They don't put their hands up because they're unaware of any congregation that does excommunication. Now, as soon as you hear that word, excommunication, you hear people saying, how can you do that to somebody? Aren't you judging them? No. Excommunication is not the event by which the person is now going to be sent to hell. Excommunication is the announcement 
to any person that they already are going to hell. So how can you excommunicate people? On what grounds? You can't excommunicate people because of sin. Now that's important to remember because if sin was a criterion for excommunication, then you'd have to excommunicate everybody in the congregation. And I reminded the pastors that they also confessed in the liturgy that they were poor, miserable sinners, deserving nothing but temporal and eternal punishment. And there was nothing that their good works could do to offset their sin. That's in one of our liturgies in the hymnal. So our sin is not offset by what we do. Our sin is offset by what God does. And why is excommunication a wonderful gift that the church has received? It's part of Luther's small catechism entitled Confession, often found between baptism and the Lord's Supper. What is the office of the keys? The office of the keys is that special authority which Christ has given to his church on earth to forgive the sins of repentant sinners, but to withhold forgiveness from the unrepentant as long as they do not repent. And that's found in John chapter 20. Jesus breathes on his disciples and says, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. So excommunication is not done because someone sins. Excommunication goes into effect when someone has unrepentant sins because it's a gift from God. In fact, think of parents who have children. They're born with original sin, and it doesn't take long before the parents recognize in what rebellion these children are at as they begin to grow older. They don't want to listen to the parents. They disobey the parents. They therefore fall short of what the parents want them to do. But the parents bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. The nurture would be sharing with them the gift of the Holy Spirit, hopefully in baptism, and teaching them what the Holy Spirit desires them to do. It's really a way of bringing discipline on the children. And yes, discipline is necessary, but it doesn't necessarily mean 
beating a child. When I did things wrong growing up as a child, I often would not be permitted to watch a television program that I liked or be able to play baseball after school or some other thing was taken away from me as a reminder that I was not walking according to the Holy Spirit. It's kind of interesting that when children from Christian families are grown and are 16 years old and more, it's rare that the parents have to reprimand them because they're living the life the parents desire them to live. And that's because of the earlier years of discipline and teaching them the gifts from God. So, I was at a congregation for 28 years, and then I've been involved with seven congregations as an interim pastor. It's interesting, looking back, that I was involved with eight processes of excommunication. One of the things I discovered was that even mentioning excommunication was sometimes a way in which the person repented of their sin. For example, I was at one congregation and I was told that a young man and woman, members of the congregation, had decided to marry and the marriage was in about five months. But I was told that they had decided right now to start living together apart from being married until that five months came about. So I called them both into my office and we sat down and for some time we talked to them about the sixth commandment and of course mentioned the office of the keys saying, I want to forgive you, but you need to repent of your sin. And the young woman looked at me and she said, you mean pastor, if I just go back and live with my mother until the marriage, everything is okay? And I said, yes, that would solve the problem of further discipline. And so she did do that. Now, there are some areas in Missouri and even in the country where elderly people who no longer have a spouse, they fall in love with someone else, but they don't marry them because the laws of the land would mean that if they got married to that person, they would lose benefits from the government, like Social Security. So they just start living with the other person. That is something the church needs to speak out against. We should also try and get the government 
to stop taking away their money simply because they get remarried. So there have been times where excommunication was on the plate, but it formed a repentance on the part of the person and they no longer did unrepentant sin. Uh, one example was I got a call from the hospital and I was told, do you have a member? I said, yes, that's her name. Well, she's in the hospital because she was shot. And I said, with a, a bullet? They said, yes. So I didn't ask any more questions. I went directly to the hospital, walked into her room, and by then they had removed the bullet, but she had bandages on her shoulder area, and there were some other people in the room. And I asked her, what happened? Was it a family member? Was it that you were in a store and it got robbed? She says, no, Pastor, you don't know this, but I am a secretary and an abortion clinic. And what happened, a man came in really angry that his wife was having an abortion, killing their newborn baby or the baby to be born. And he began shooting around the abortion clinic and I got hit with one of the bullets. Well, I found out that the people who were with her, two of them were from the leadership of the abortion clinic. And I wasn't in the mood to start an argument with them in front of her. So I had a prayer for her recovery and then told her that I wanna to talk to you at length, I'll be back tomorrow. And the reason I said that was because we had an elders meeting that night, our regular monthly elders meeting. And I brought it up to the elders and we agreed that because of her working in an abortion clinic, that discipline needed to be used. And the discipline was excommunication. Yes, if I had a doctor who was committing abortions, I would excommunicate, have them excommunicated in the congregation. So I went back to the hospital the next day and I talked to her about the possible excommunication because of her job. And she said, well, pastor, I'm trying to get work elsewhere and I can't find it. So I went back to the church, talked to certain people, and we got her an option of three new jobs. She took one of them, left the abortion clinic because she had come to realize that even though she wasn't doing abortions, being part and parcel of that murderous click that she may not go to heaven. And so therefore she repented 
and took her new job. There was an example of someone stopping the unrepentant sin. I had another situation. He was a member of the congregation, attended church every week. He was married with children. Well, I found out he had a mistress. And so what did I do? I phoned him and requested a meeting with both him and his mistress at her house because she lived alone. Well, when I got there, after some questions, I found out she was a Presbyterian. And that made me very happy because Presbyterians also are in agreement with Lutherans in regard to the sixth commandment, thou shalt not commit adultery. And she was doing this with a married man. And so I began to talk to her primarily during the meeting about the danger she was putting herself in. I said, I'll give you two weeks talking to the husband. And if you haven't broken up, then we will begin excommunication procedure. Now, excommunication takes a long time. And sometimes I was involved in situations where a laity was excommunicated, but for wrong reasons. In this case, there were six lay people who were excommunicated because they had a friend who the pastor considered to be a false teacher. Now, I read what that false teacher was saying, and I agreed that what he taught was against the Bible. So I went and I visited all six people in their church, I'm sorry, in their home, and found out what they really believed about these issues. Well, they hardly even understood what their friend was teaching, but he was a good friend. They had him at their parties, etc., and that's why the pastor felt that they needed to be removed from the church because they were hanging around a false teacher. Now, there's no doubt in the Bible that we are not to have false teachers in the congregation. But this man was a friend of these individuals. And it reminded me of Jesus. Remember, he hung around tax collectors who were working for the Romans to collect taxes from the Jews. He spoke with prostitutes. And you would think, why would you do that? Well, he did that in order to bring them around to true faith. And that did happen. One prostitute stopped being a prostitute and followed Jesus. So we are to speak to people in the congregation about proper 
discipline. Now, how do you do that? Well, you do it the way John the baptizer did it. Remember what his ministry was? A baptism of repentance. And why was he preaching that? To prepare the way for the coming of Jesus, who was bringing the gift of the forgiveness of sins. Nobody would listen to Jesus if they did not think they were a sinner. And remember, there were Pharisees who made fun of John the Baptist. And Jesus had a wonderful conversation with them. He asked them, well, was the work of John the Baptist from God or from man? And the Pharisees could not answer the question. They believed it was from man, but they didn't want to say that because the people really loved John the Baptist. They considered him to be a prophet and the Pharisees would be in trouble with the populace. And if they said, no, his work was of God, then Jesus would have asked, then why did you not believe him? Again, in Luther's confession, he says, consider your place in life according to the Ten Commandments. Are you a father, mother, son, daughter, husband, wife, or worker? Have you been disobedient, unfaithful, or lazy? Have you been hot-tempered, rude, or quarrelsome? Have you hurt someone by your words or deeds? Have you stolen, been negligent, wasted anything, or done any harm? The way I like to do this is I examine the vocations of my members. Most members at some congregations are farmers because it's a rural area. And so you talk about those sins. Other vocations may be in having a business. Well, how are they treating their employees? And how are they being a proper employer? And the office of the keys is to withhold forgiveness from the unrepentant. Now, how does a pastor figure out they are living in unrepentant sin? Well, in those eight cases I dealt with, I would just ask them, are you living with this mistress? Are you doing this sort of sin? And they would admit it. And I said, are you willing to stop and repentant? And when they said no, then excommunication would occur. In one congregation, I was faced with a officer of the ladies' aid who just decided to leave her husband. I won't give you the reasons, but it was an unbiblical divorce. Her husband came to me very upset. So we began to talk with her. We followed Matthew 18. I met with her, 
I was unable to convince her to go back to her husband. Then I took an elder. And then when none of that worked, we went to the church. It took one and a half years before she was excommunicated. Excommunication is not a quick process. Uh, A pastor can stop giving communion to people who are, say, living together apart from marriage, but that's not full excommunication. So after she was excommunicated, she decided that she would just go to another Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod congregation. And in St. Louis, there are over a hundred of them. So that's what she did. And we contacted the pastor and said, you should not be communing her because of her excommunication. And he said, no, I'm going to commune her because we disagree that you should have excommunicated her. And I said, well, being a member of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, you can disagree, but then there is a process to overcome the excommunication, and you're not doing that. They said no. And so we brought charges against the congregation for taking in a properly excommunicated person. Well, guess what the church did? It left the Missouri Synod and became a member of ELCA. And you see, you really can excommunicate someone who's not a member of the church, properly speaking. And so I don't know if on her deathbed she had repented of her sins. But that's why discipline in the church is really important. It's part of our confessions and it's part of moving the Holy Spirit into the hearts of our believers. I'm Tom Baker. Join us Monday for another Law and Gospel teaching. Until then, God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your checkout to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.